You're listening to The Dish, the Medical Laboratory Professional Association's monthly podcast series. I'm Danika Evering. Each month, we discuss important issues to the medical laboratory profession in Ontario with someone working in the field who shares their insights, perspectives, ideas, and hot takes. This season, we're exploring something which impacts all of us here in Ontario, an impending medical laboratory staffing crisis from many different perspectives, quality management, advocacy, education, rural laboratories, networks, and many more. January's dish is with Brad Hand, currently the program coordinator of the medical laboratory technology program at Cambrian, and I teach the clinical microbiology component within the program. Completed an undergrad in chemistry from Laurentian University and then went on and completed a master's at Queen's University. Following my graduation from Queen's University, I started as a project leader at a local biotechnology company in Sudbury, and and I did that for a couple of years and then applied for a full-time professorship at Cambrian College. That was uh, 16 years ago now, so I've been teaching here at Cambrian for 16 years. We'll be starting my 17th year in January. When I first started here, I was teaching in both Bachelor of Science in Nursing program and Medical Laboratory Technology, but over the past, oh gosh, it's got to be a decade or so, maybe more, I've been teaching full-time in the Medical Laboratory Technology program. So that's how I got where I'm at right now and, and loving every minute of it. As an instructor of MLTs, you see a very different angle than many of my guests. When did you first become aware of the medical laboratory professional staffing shortage? When did you learn or suspect there was a shortage of medical laboratory professionals coming? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I, I tried to think back to when you know, I sort of first became aware of the, the looming shortage of medical laboratory technologists. And I would say probably within the last five to 10 years, it was... Um, it was something that I was becoming more and more aware of, especially as I took over as the program coordinators, because I've been mm. coordinating now for probably eight or nine years. And so as a program coordinator, you become much more aware of these, these issues because you're interacting with students and the clinical placements, obviously, and other medical laboratory technologists, and laboratory managers. So uh, I would say within the last five to 10 years, it was something that I became certainly more aware of, but obviously within the last probably one or two years, it's become very, very much a focus of, you know, those societies associated with the profession and subsequently the educators of med lab technology as well, since we're the ones supplying graduates and new medical laboratory technologists to the market. So, you know, even this past spring, for the first time, I had lab managers from, you know, various hospitals who requested and came on campus to actually talk to our third-year students to talk to them about opportunities for work in their labs. And that's something that, you know, has never happened here before, was to actually have requests from, you know, the lab managers and the hospitals to come and actually recruit on-site. So it's great for our students, but it's certainly made aware to me the demand that laboratories have for, for new graduates. So you know, there are people that are coming forward representing the hospitals and representing the labs that are doing their best to get the word out that there is a need for our students and that there is, 
you know, opportunities for work, which is excellent for our students. And then even part of that pitch, though, is to talk to the students about, you know, aspects of their communities outside of the lab. Obviously, if you're looking to recruit uh, new students to, to a particular community, then that has to involve not just, you know, the work and the, the compensation and, and that sort of thing, the job satisfaction, but obviously what is important to those new graduates outside of the laboratory environment, right? What it's, what's mm-hmm. it going to be like for their family? I think if you're looking to, you know, recruit students, new graduates to, uh, to your lab, then that will involve sort of a, a very broad recruiting focus where you're trying to satisfy all aspects of a, of a particular new graduate if you want them to come to your lab and, and work as a medical laboratory technologist. Mm-hmm. Right. It has to be a total package. I think so. Yeah. So I sort of likened it to that because I have a little bit of experience recruiting in that way. And obviously working as an educator within this program, recruiting new students to our program as well. I think, you know, when you try and sell your program to potential students, that's part of it as well as helping them to understand what the benefits are for not only the program they're going to select, but also for the college that they're going to select overall. That plus, you know, the recent report to the MLPAO that came out, you know, obviously put focus to the to the issue and all the work the CSMLS is doing as well made it very obvious that there is an issue here that everybody needs to work together to to sort of solve. If you look at a map of all the MLT schools in Ontario, Cambrian is the lone school serving all of Ontario's north. What does that mean for clinical placements? What are you hearing back from some of your clinical partners? I'm just looking at our current list of clinical placement sites, and we, we mm-hmm. do have a number of them. I mean, students from southern Ontario, you know, might think that Sudbury is a rural community, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's actually one of our, obviously, our, our biggest sites. And we have much smaller communities with hospitals that have clinical placements for our students where the demand for our students is is really much higher than it is, for example, uh, at Health Sciences North in Sudbury. So we do have a number of clinical placement sites throughout northeastern and northwestern Ontario, and that you know includes places like Fort Francis, Sioux Lookout, Kenora, uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Kapuskasing, Timmins, right, and sort of everywhere in between. So it is a challenge because these sites do have demands for med lab technologists and there are opportunities for work for medical laboratory technologists. I really feel it's an important part of of what we do with our students in terms of trying to get them into these clinical placements so that, you know, they have an opportunity to train at these sites, to see what the sites are like, to see what the communities are like, and then perhaps consider staying there when their clinical placement is done and and working in those communities. So I do feel that we have a commitment to our Northern Ontario hospitals and our clinical placement sites. And so being a Northern college, I think it's important that we we do our best to, to balance that in terms of where our students would like to go versus where the need is. And that that's a big challenge for us, but I think we do our best to try and, and meet that balance. Because we do hear from our clinical partners, we meet with our clinical partners twice a year. So on a regular basis, we are meeting with them and discussing many issues, including the fact that a lot of the clinical placement sites are already short-staffed. So it's, it's difficult for them 
to take on perhaps additional students because they don't necessarily have the staff to train them or they don't feel that they have enough staff to train additional students. I think our clinical sites are excellent and I think they do a great job at supporting our program, but it's it's a little bit of a sort of catch-22 because they do have needs for medical laboratory technologists and they have needs for our graduates to fill those spots, but they don't necessarily have the ability to take on additional students in order to, in order to train them. So uh, I think we have an excellent relationship with our clinical placement sites and, and our students really love their clinical placements, even though they don't really know before they leave after their second year to get in the clinical placements, what they're getting themselves into. Almost universally, when we talk to our clinical students, they absolutely love their clinical placements. So I think they're pretty stoked to get through year one and year two here and get through the grind of their exams and their assignments and everything else that we sort of push them to excel at here. And then once they get out of their clinical placement, they really start to get an impression of what it's going to be like to work as a medical laboratory technologist. And so they absolutely love their clinical placement. From the student perspective, they have opportunities when they look at the clinical placements that we have available for them. They have opportunities to perhaps consider a larger regional hospital where they may see more of the abnormals as opposed to some of maybe the smaller sites. But at some of the smaller sites, they may be able to do more of the hands-on sort of manual testing methodologies that they might see in microbiology where they might not actually see that in a, in a larger site. So there are, there are certainly pros and cons to the larger sites versus the smaller sites, but I think I try and do the best I can to try and have students at least consider a smaller site in a more rural community because there may be opportunities for full-time work there when they are done. So there is a balance to be uh, had there. And so we work closely with our clinical partners and try and do our best to to have students attend their sites and train with them. And, and then hopefully they will stay on when they're they are finished. We've heard there can be difficulty finding clinical placements where students can complete their training in all five disciplines. Have you experienced this? We certainly have uh, experienced that. And for years we've had, you know, we've had students that have had to split between multiple sites. For example, you know, Sioux Lookout and Fort Francis, they have four out of the five disciplines. They don't have histology. So students that go to Sioux Lookout and they go to Fort Francis, they then will have to travel to Kenora to at Lake of the Woods Hospital to complete their histology. So we've done that. Certainly, we've been doing that for a number of years now, and that's just one example. But we have other examples where our more rural hospital sites, they just they don't have the histology or they don't have histology and microbiology. So uh, the students, if they attend those sites, then they will have to go to other sites in order to complete their training. So, for example, students as well that go to Hearst, right, they, they don't have the histology department in Hearst, so they will have to travel to Timmins to complete their histology there. So we have a number of examples where we've had students that have split between two sites. And obviously, there carries some challenges with that for the students, just in terms of the logistics of traveling and the additional expense. And Talking about balance previously, I think it's also important for us to consider 
the education that our students will receive when they go off to their clinical placements. And we are confident that all of our clinical placements provide excellent training for our students. And whether it's at one site for all five disciplines or whether they have to split between two sites, our students are meeting all of their competencies as outlined by the CSMLS and they're getting excellent training. And so when they're finished their clinical placements, whether it's a split or whether it's just at one site, our students are ready and are being certified and are ready for entry-level medical laboratory technology practice. And I, I think our most recent CSMLS exam results uh, this past year and the year before will certainly speak to the training that our students are getting at our clinical placement sites. So I think they are getting a, an excellent experience at, at each of our clinical placements. But as I said, there is a balance between you know having students attend a, a smaller sort of community hospital and certainly you know their desires perhaps to go elsewhere perhaps to a larger site or to where they are originally from in their in their hometown what are some other potentials to change clinical placements well i mean in terms of moving from site to site if if there was sort of money available to support students to offset some of the financial challenges that they may have Uh, in going from one site to the next, that would certainly help. Currently don't have anything like that, but it would make it easier and more attractive for students if we could ease that burden on them a little bit. I mean, over the past couple of years, we've had smaller cohorts that have been going off to clinical placements. So we haven't really been sending students to uh, sites where they've had to split between two sites to get all their competencies finished and all their disciplines. But depending on the year and depending on the number of students that we have going out, then there will be students in some of these sites that they will have to split. So certainly if we could offset some of their financial burden somehow, either from a college standpoint or a, or a sort of government perspective to provide that funding, I think that would certainly would help things quite a bit. I mean, you had asked about some of the potential changes to clinical placements and the trend has been in Ontario anyways, to continue to shorten the clinical placement duration, sort of to offset some of the burden on our clinical placements. And we have done the same. We've sort of followed suit uh, with that. Originally, when I first started teaching in this program, I believe our clinical placement duration was 49 weeks, and now it's 30 weeks. And so there's been a dramatic drop off. Now, of course, that's over 16 years that I've been teaching in the program, and that's been one of the trends where we've seen some of the changes that we've tried to help our clinical placements manage their clinical education of our students. And right now, as I said, we're at 30 weeks. And so it's going to take some time to evaluate how that change is affecting our students. So that's one of the changes. I mean, one of the other changes that certainly the various societies have been looking at is is simulation and, and the programs as well when we've discussed these issues at our heads of med lab uh, meetings, the discussion is centered around simulation as well and how much we can use simulation at the educational site to offset the evaluation of some of the competencies that is currently being done by the clinical placement site, or can we use simulation to evaluate some of the competencies that are actually not offered at some of the clinical placement sites so that the students are being evaluated on some of these competencies before they go off to their clinical placements. So those are some of the changes that uh, we see going forward with respect to clinical placement education. 
I'm wondering if you can speak to the relationship between applicants and their future work sites. Do your students come from rural and remote areas and want to move back? Do they train in Sudbury and move south? Do you get any applicants from Toronto maybe that want to stay and learn in Sudbury? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. Let, let me just put it that way. Because I really do feel a, a commitment to our northern hospitals. And Cambrian College is a northeastern Ontario community college. And so that relationship is important. I think it is important that we get students to the clinical placements that we have currently on our roster. So just to give you an idea, our latest numbers in terms of where our students are coming from. So this is now from 2018. From the western region of Ontario, we have 6%. From eastern region, we have 13%. From the central region of Ontario, 26%. From the northern region, 49%. And out of province, about 5%. So in 2018, we had 97 students that were in our program. And so that was the breakdown of where our students were coming from. And it's interesting because from our catchment area, that trend has been going down from 2014 to 2018. So 2014, 34% of our students were from the Cambrian catchment area. In 2018, it was 25. So there's been an interesting decline there. So students are coming from other regions of Ontario. And as a result, when it comes to clinical placement time, these students are hoping to go back to clinical placements in their hometown, which recently has seemed to be wanting to go to Southern Ontario, to clinical placements in Southern Ontario, either that we currently have or they would like to establish for themselves. So I, I find that a bit of a challenge because we have limited clinical placements in Southern Ontario. We have some in Barrie, we have some in Bracebridge and Huntsville and Owen Sound, and then we recently established a placement in Toronto, but most of our placements are in Sudbury, and then northeast and northwest of, of Sudbury. So our students, many of them do want to go back to southern Ontario, but I feel that it's important that we at least bring awareness to the students that these are the clinical placement sites that we currently have, and these are the ones that we are committed to because we do have enough clinical placements to, to have students attend. And if I could only get them to attend some of these sites, they really get a different impression of what the site is like. So oftentimes when I go through the placement process, a lot of our students don't even know where some of these places are. So the first thing that they have to do is sort of pull out a map and check out where some of these places are. Sioux Lookout, Fort Francis, Kenora, Kapuskasing, right? So many of our students from Southern Ontario have no idea where these places even, even are. Uh, but to tell you the truth, if if the students from Southern Ontario or other regions of Ontario actually completed a placement at some of these northern hospitals, they would get a very different impression of what it is like to be at a, at a smaller rural community hospital lab and what those communities are like as well. And I try my best to recruit, again, talking about recruiting, recruiting students to some of these smaller sites because I know if they get there, they will have an excellent experience and they, in many cases, will stay there and work at least for a little while afterwards. Because I have a number of examples that I can give you of students from Southern Ontario or Central Ontario that completed their placement in Sioux Lookout, in Fort Francis, in Kenora, Timmins, Kapuskasing, and they're still there years later. 
where originally, you know, they had no idea where these places even were on a map. But once they get there and they have their placement there and they realize there's a full-time job waiting for them when they're done, they end up staying there. Yeah, it's such a good point. We heard this from Manda Rivers and Betty Curry and uh, Thunder Bay too, that they were saying that for recruitment, the biggest challenge is even letting people know what's there. It's not even countering people's perceptions of what might be there. There's just not a lot of understanding about what that site even is or what, what the community is like. No, and that's true. And if we can get if we can get students to these smaller sites, then the sites themselves have an opportunity to recruit those students as well and give them the best placement that they can and they have a full academic year to to try and recruit them to stay so you know I know our clinical placement site up in Kenora at Lake of the Woods Hospital they do a tremendous job with our students as all of our clinical placements do but I know you know when they bring our students in it's not just the lab experience for them. Obviously, that's the focus and getting them trained and meeting their core competencies. But I know that our students at Lake the Woods Hospital, they get an experience outside the lab as well. They get to spend time with the pathologist and the med lab technologists outside of the lab, whether they're going out and canoeing together or whether they're uh, skiing together or what have you. So this gives our students a really excellent experience where they're like, wow, these people really care about me. And this is a great placement. You know what, I'm going to consider staying here and working because the student that currently is in is in Kenora has an opportunity for full-time work when she's finished. She's only halfway through her, her clinical placement. They're investing in your students in a different way, maybe. Absolutely. And yeah. we have students as well, just, just to obviously, you know, that this is an issue outside of Ontario as well. We have students all across Canada and one of our most recent graduates is currently in BC and, and working hard to recruit our students as well. So there are opportunities everywhere for our students, but it's also an opportunity through these clinical placements for our clinical placement sites to recruit our students. We just have to get them there. If they're not from there, then we sort of have to help them understand what it's like and the advantages of being in some of these smaller communities. Looking down the road, what are some potential impacts of these shortages from an educational standpoint? What could some concerns be if they continue as they have been? In terms of helping to meet some of these shortages from an educational standpoint, obviously, if we could graduate more students and certify more students, then that's going to put more certified medical laboratory technologists into market. But there's a lot of challenges around increasing student numbers and reading the most recent report to the NLPAO and some of the recommendations that were made from the educational standpoint, I certainly do feel that some of those recommendations are accurate and are doable from, from the education standpoint. So yes, we need to get more graduates out and that would certainly help. But the challenges around that include the availability of clinical placements, which we sort of have already addressed. So if we bring in more students and we retain more students, then we're going to need more clinical placements in order to train those students and then have those students graduate and certify. So there are some challenges around that because the clinical placements are already uh, short-staffed, right? So 
I mean, that's that's one major way that we can sort of help in terms of meeting the shortage. But from an educational standpoint, there are a number of challenges around that. Mm-hmm. It's really an ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. And, and perhaps there are different models around placing students into, into small and more rural community hospitals, right? Right now, it's just trying to get awareness to the students about the advantages of going to some of these smaller sites. But maybe there are, there are other ways that we can sort of help these smaller sites meet their human resources demands. Perhaps as well, there are different entry points. Right now, our program is, is three years in length. And obviously, students with you know, advanced degrees or other post-secondary education, they still need to complete a three-year program. There are no opportunities at this point for students with degrees to you know, perhaps finish our program and other programs more quickly. Right? So maybe there are opportunities to look at changing curriculum. Now, this is a much bigger project, but maybe you wouldn't be surprised to hear the number of emails that I get from students with science degrees that are looking to become a medical laboratory technologist, but wondering if they could do it more quickly since they already have four years of post-secondary education. The importance of simulation, right? Simulation is important, particularly related to histology and microbiology. If we can implement more simulation at the educational site to offload some of the training of the students before they go to their clinical placements, particularly for those competencies that are not met by all of the clinical placements, Also in that report to the MLPAO, it was recommended uh, a marketing strategy. I think that's something that educational programs and colleges can certainly use to bring in students to the medical laboratory technology programs. I think that's huge for us, and I think that's definitely doable. If we get the word out there that medical laboratory technology is an excellent program, but certainly requires a particular type of student, right? Strong in the sciences, interested in sciences and and everything else that goes along with being a medical laboratory technologist, but bring an awareness to what the program is like and that there are opportunities for work once you graduate. I don't think that is out there enough. And I think high schools also spend probably a lot of time pushing students to the university stream and to going to university programs where a lot of them end up circling back and they want to come to Cambria to get a community college education, medical laboratory technology, when they can be doing that right out of high school. We have a lot of high school students that come into our program. So it is a very good program and a viable choice for high school students. And that's all part of the marketing strategy. So if we can have that sort of improved And that's going to make a big difference to the students that are applying to our program and subsequently will impact the retention of our students as they make their way through the program, which hopefully will mean more graduates uh, in the end. Thank you so much, Fred. Absolutely. Certainly more than happy to contribute. And uh, again, I really appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to speak on the podcast. You've been listening to The Dish, the MLPAO's monthly podcast series. This episode was produced by me and recorded in our studio overlooking Hamilton on the Niagara Escarpment and at the free makerspace at the Terryberry branch of the Hamilton Public Library. It was edited by Lauren Hicks of New River Media. 
The next episode of The Dish will be out in February. The Dish is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.